Welcome to Happy Talks with Dr. Alice and Donovan. Dr. Alice Fong is a holistic, naturopathic doctor and founder of Amour de Soi Wellness. And Donovan Jensen is a software engineer and founder of HowToHappy.com. Together, they're out to cause more happiness in the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Happy Talks. My name is Dr. Alice. This is Donovan. And we have a very special guest today, Dr. Michelle May. She is a recovered yo-yo dieter founder of Am I Hungry? Mindful Eating Programs and Training, and the author of the Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat book series. Please welcome Michelle. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, both of you. Glad to talk to you. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, so why don't you start by telling us a little about your story into this whole Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat, um, Mindful Eating venture. What was your path? Because you were a family doctor and now you're outside of medicine and just doing programs and trainings. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Um, you know, I think I probably was like many people, especially women in America who struggle with yo-yo dieting. Mm -hmm. I actually started dieting when I was a preteen teenager wow. and, you know, really dieted all the way through high school and college and medical school and right into my medical practice where I discovered that I was not alone, that actually <laughs> lots of people were doing this. Right. Yeah. And I think that there's a few lessons in there for me anyway, is that if I could make it through medical school, you would think that I'd be able to stick to a diet. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was so challenging really was a red flag for me that maybe there was something about diets that really don't work for most people. And I met so many people who had a similar experience when I, when I finally had children, I began to really have this realization that my relationship with food was really different from theirs. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I know if you've ever taken care of a young child, they, they have this beautiful, natural relationship with food. They don't worry about it, but when they're hungry, they eat what they love mm -hmm. and they get really tactile with their food and enjoy it. And then when they're done and they've had enough, they stop, even if there's food left and mm -hmm. then they go play mm -hmm. so different from myself. I was thinking about food and not eating food. And when did I get to eat? And oh gosh, what did I eat? Mm -hmm. And this whole confusing relationship tied up with guilt and other, and other emotions, I think really led me to, to the path that I'm on now, which is to help people heal their relationship with food so that they can really use the energy that they were wasting on all that to live the big vibrant life they really crave. Mm, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think that was a really astute observation, just thinking about how kids eat, right, compared to how I eat generally, or how I see people who are trying to diet generally eat. Mm -hmm. And it's all, it's, it seems like it's more about these kind of you know, control or like lockdown or like, here are the rules, as opposed to this much more authentic and real and and just engaging experience with food so i think that's really interesting and i'd love to keep diving into that topic learning some more on that end yeah i i'm really glad you picked up on that i call that instinctive eating not not that we all have this instinct anymore to eat in that way but all of us were born with that instinctive ability to know when we're hungry to know when we've had enough and then to use the energy living and growing and playing and learning. And I think what's happened in our culture and many cultures around the world is that 
we have created a very different relationship with food where it's about attempting to control our food and making foods good and bad, and therefore making ourselves good or bad, depending on what we ate or what we weigh. And I think that has created a real disconnect between our instinctive, natural ability to manage our eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And one of the things that I've noticed for myself, because I'm <laughs> I'm with you, along with many other women with the struggle with the yo-yo dieting, and especially I think as doctors, it's like we should know better because we're doctors, <laughs> except exactly. that we all know what we need to be doing, eating healthy and clean and exercising and doing those things, but we struggle with the, the actual doing of it. And um, I think mindful eating is totally necessary, but what about the people that don't really even know how to tap into that because their sugar cravings are just so strong and apparent and they don't know like what to listen to within themselves. <laughs> like, what would you say about that? Yes, that's, you hit the nail on the head. So uh, first of all, let me clarify that mindful eating compared to when I first started using that term and I didn't invent it. I mean, it's been around for centuries. They've been using yeah. it in different um, mindfulness practices for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. But we've really discovered that it has these incredible applications in our modern food abundant, weight obsessed, diet obsessed culture. Mm -hmm. So when I use the term mindful eating, I'm looking at the entire decision-making process around food. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're out there, you're going to see the, the phrase mindful eating used in conjunction with restricting food, counting how many times you chew, uh, you know, thinking about every bite of food you put in your mouth. I think that's mindful eating F U L L <laughs> that's <laughs> not what we're talking about here. <laughs> when I talk about mindful eating, I'm really referring to awareness and purpose. So thinking about your intention or your purpose for eating, my favorite intention when I eat is to feel better when I'm done than I did when I started. Mm -hmm. Now you think about that, set up a, an intention like that and start your meal with this intention to feel good when you're done. It's going to affect when you eat, because obviously if you're not hungry, when you start eating, you're going to be full when you're done. It affects what you choose to eat based on your experience of how you feel after you eat certain foods. Mm. It will affect how you consume that food. In other words, if you're mindlessly shoving food in your mouth while you're watching TV or scrolling through your phone, you won't even notice or enjoy the food that you ate. Mm. And it also will affect how much of the food you eat so that at the end you aren't ruining a great experience by feeling too stuffed to really move on to your next activity. And so having an intention like that really sets you up to eat with attention or the attention necessary to make decisions along the way that will bring you to feeling great when you're finished. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. It, it makes sense. I like how you, how you define this mindful eating in that it's not like count every chew, every bite and really focusing on how you feel. Because I think when we eat those not so healthy foods, like the candy bar or the burger, it's good during the eating, <laughs> but then afterwards you're like, Oh, I don't feel that great. Or, Oh, now I feel guilty or all those, those things that come after. So to think about like, what would actually have me feel good 
after yeah. done eating is an interesting. Well, let's talk about guilt for just a minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah, sure. <laughs> I think this is one of the pieces of the puzzle that a lot of people are missing, and that is the understanding that our cultural paradigm around food being either good or bad or good for you or bad for you has set up this dichotomy, mm-hmm. this either or thinking. And so for those of us who pay attention to these sorts of things, when we eat something that our, our society or the health you know, culture has, has defined as bad, then we feel bad about ourselves. You use the word guilt. Mm-hmm. With mindfulness, all foods are permissible. All foods are allowed. There's no forbidden food. And in fact, I would say that if I eat a candy bar occasionally and I don't eat four of them, I feel perfectly fine afterward. I might actually feel great, you know? So (laughs) it's not inherent in the candy bar that I'm going to feel bad. But what happens is the, the definition of eating the candy bar makes us feel guilty. And then because we feel guilty, we say, well, you know, I've already blown it. I might as well have another one, or I might as well have potato chips too. Might as well do. And then all of a sudden something that was just an an ordinary decision to eat something becomes Mm -hmm. this uh, self-judgment and ends up actually driving overeating. Hmm. However, what I heard you say though, is what I would call regret that sometimes we make decisions and we go, Mm, I wish I hadn't done that. That didn't work out so well for me. Mm-hmm. When I feel guilty, I get stuck in beating myself up and reflecting on my past behavior and worrying about the future consequences. With regret, I go, ah, you know, I wish I hadn't done that. And mm-hmm. the next time that situation comes up, I might make a different decision because of what I learned here. Mm-hmm. Now, regret opens the door for learning. And so I get better and better at making decisions for myself when I can pay attention to the effects of those decisions. Does that kind of connect with what you were saying about the candy bar, the burger, that kind of thing? Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What are your I think, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, Donovan. I mean, do you, do you experience guilt with eating? Has that uh, been part of your experience? Yeah, definitely. So the different pieces that you just laid out reflect different times in my life and different relationships with food that I have had as I've tried to kind of navigate some of these different parts, right? So there have been times where uh, earlier, like at the earliest part of my journey where I would feel guilt around eating something that I shouldn't and then end up eating a whole bunch of other stuff that I shouldn't <laughs> because it had already you know, I'd already broken the floodgates open. So why not <laughs> one candy bar 20 um, and then get really sick. And then there have been other parts in my experience where I didn't, you know, I got past kind of, oh, I, I broke through this uh, thing I shouldn't do. And, and now I can just have as much as I want, but into something of like, oh, I had this candy bar. I shouldn't have done it. I feel really bad about it. It's not enough for me to say like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing it and just consume as much as I can. But I had a lot of guilt around it. And I would notice things like even during the times that I had consciously chosen, okay, I'm going to have this treat. I'm mostly healthy. I would still feel that regret as I was eating it. So I wouldn't get the enjoyment out of it. And I I would get, you know, this extra uh, cascading kind of guilt trailing off afterwards. Um, so now I, I, I think I'm in a little bit better position and closer to mindfulness, uh, definitely not as 
perfect at it as I could be. But now I feel a little bit more on, on track with, okay, more often I eat things. If it's something that, that uh, I know I don't want to eat a ton of, mm-hmm. um, then I understand the balance and the position I'm in, right? I say, okay, I'm going to have this treat. I don't eat this for every meal all the time until I'm sick. I know I don't do that. I know I'm not going to do that. Um, so again, there's still plenty of instances where I do end up with like, oh, maybe just one more, maybe just one more, maybe just one more. Okay, I just ate a dozen cookies. I have a stomach ache. But uh, the pieces that you described basically outline kind of the, the journey that I've been on and the different parts or the different relationships I've had and how I have continued to grow. So it really resonated with me a lot. You know, you described absolutely perfectly what we call yo-yo dieting, right? Like I'm being good, I'm being bad. I'm being good. I'm being bad. I'm getting ready for my vacation. I'm on my vacation, right? Like that's the extremes that people experience. And what I realized for myself, having done that for many years also, is that a yo-yo really doesn't stop in the middle. You're either on your way on your next diet or you're coming off your last one. And so really what it required for me to develop that healthier relationship with food that you're describing is to throw that model out altogether. And I think of a pendulum instead, right? So yes, there might be times when I eat, you said 10 cookies, right? There might be times when I'm much more conscious or maybe I'm training for something or maybe I'm just not that food focused for whatever reason. The beauty of a pendulum model though, is it does have a middle. And so what you're describing now for yourself is that there is, you can have the foods that you love, but you also know you're never going to deprive yourself of them. So there's no reason to eat the whole package because you'll only feel sick afterward. So that pendulum model, I think works much better for me and for the people that I work with in terms of really finding a way to be in charge instead of vacillating between being in control and out of control, in control and out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really resonates a lot with my experience. And I think the pendulum swings are still fairly big, but more and more over time, as I keep practicing, as I keep finding the balance and whatnot, they get smaller and smaller and closer to the center where it's, uh, it goes back to what you were saying about how do I feel? What's going to make me feel good afterwards? It's taken me a lot of times and a lot of years of, of doing things that don't make me feel good, but slowly, 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 uh, I, I make those other choices of, okay, this is a sufficient amount of whatever it is. I feel good right now. Having more is not going to make me feel better. It's only going to take me further in the other direction. So I really like that metaphor. And I feel like it's useful to, to um, really kind of visualize the ebbs and flows of life as opposed to, you know, what we were talking about before this restrictive model of like, here's this box, I need to fit into it. Um, so I, I like that a lot. It resonates. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I would add to that is, Yes, the the pendulum arc gets smaller with practice. I love that word practice that you use and with learning and awareness, but the goal is never perfection. Like you don't want your pendulum to stop. I mean, that's not fun. (laughs) You know, it's about having flexibility and the ability to make choices no matter what shows up. You don't need to know what's on the menu. You don't have to bring your own food. You don't have to weigh and measure and count anything because you have flexibility and you'll make adjustments 
depending on what's happening and your own mood and your own preferences at any given time. So it makes, it just kind of frees us up to live the life that we want. So we're not obsessing about every bite of food we eat. Mm, I love that. I think that's really important. Although what came to my mind is I, I definitely see myself swinging on that pendulum like a lot, but I, I, you know, the fear is like when I get to the end of like, oh, I've been really in it. It's, I get that. I have to let go of the it's good or bad, but I'm like, oh, I've been really good for like a few weeks. And then I swing to the other side where it's like, I can cut myself some slack and enjoy life a little. And then it's just like, a little child that's like, I eat what I want. <laughs> it's just, you know, you asked earlier, Dr. Yeah. Alice about the, about, well, what about craving sweets yeah, or craving, craving that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I think is often missed in the discussion about food is something that has shown up in research over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that is this, it's what's called restrained eating. I used restrictive eating. I think Donovan, you used that phrase. What we know from research is that when you restrict people from eating foods that they love, actually, sometimes people don't even care about certain foods, but if you tell them they can't have them, it's like you put them up on a pedestal. And then all of a sudden, first you're thinking, okay, I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. So you're thinking about it all the time. So you can avoid it. And somehow because of that, it just keeps showing up and showing up. And over time, people begin to feel deprived of that food. Mm-hmm. And deprivation drives cravings. Mm-hmm. And then when you give in, and I'm using air quotes there, when you finally give in and eat something that you love, then because of the, I shouldn't eat that, or now I'm being bad, mm-hmm. that's what really drives the overeating. And so what's happened for a lot of us who've done this yo-yo dieting pattern, I call it the eat, repent, repeat cycle. (laughs) If you've done that for a long time, you lose trust in yourself. Like you lose your ability to think I could even ever figure this out. Mm -hmm. So I would say about that, having done this work now, almost 22 years and worked with literally thousands of people that you absolutely can eat what you love and learn how to love what you eat without feeling out of control because control is never the goal. Mm. The, the goal here is to be in charge. And that simply means make a conscious decision, eat it, don't eat it, but decide and don't try to keep yourself from eating it because that attempt to control your food actually drives the very behavior that you're, that you're so fearful of. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that really benefiting because it's like when I'm in the out of control with eating the things I know I shouldn't because it feels like I'm this little kid that's like, I want to eat whatever I want. You can't tell me what to do. (laughs) But if like the adult was the adult, Alice (laughs) was just being like, oh, you can have a little bit of that. That's okay. Then I don't think I would just purge so much. Um, because I, it's like, I have that freedom to eat that food would give me a lot more peace of mind, I think. Absolutely. And I would even, if you're open to a little tiny bit of coaching, (laughs) I would even adjust that to not say the adult Alice would say, you can have a little bit of food. Do you, do you hear the restrictive words? You Mm -hmm. can, 
Mm. a little bit. So already before you even start, there's all of these limitations and boundaries and that can create that sense of rebellion and restriction. Mm -hmm. So the adult Alice, I love that image. That's a beautiful image (laughs) can say, Hey, you know what? You can eat what you love. You're a grown up. You can learn from your own experience, what works for you. So let's eat it with attention and notice how it tastes. Let's notice whether we even like it, whether, whether the experience is good and let's pay attention to our body and see how we feel. And then we'll decide at the end, whether this is a behavior that we want to continue. It's just a different way of kind of approaching this. I, I would say that it's an inside out way versus mm-hmm. an outside in, which is here's the rules, follow them perfectly. Don't blow it. And if you do, you're bad, but you'll forgive yourself and you can start over tomorrow. You know, like that's a whole, uh, it just makes me cringe just thinking about that old model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had a little bit of a question around, you know, we've been talking a lot about different mindsets and ways to approach eating uh, if you are open to it, I'd like to go into like a little hypothetical, right? Which is, let's say that I'm going to plan tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm on board. I'm ready to, to do something. What are some of the maybe structure pieces or how do you generally recommend that people start doing some of these activities? Because I know, you know, along with a lot of other things, hey, we should eat more mindfully. Okay, I'm going to do it. Okay, I did it once. I completely forgot every day for the rest of forever. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on Great question. Because, right, we've practiced the other way for decades, right? We we know how to do that. That doesn't take any effort at all. But, of course, anything new that we're trying to learn or practice is going to take time. And we'll forget and we'll make mistakes and so on. So what I do first with anybody that I'm working with is I start exactly where you and I started we first talk about their experience and, and if they have struggled with this on again, off again, good, bad yo-yo pattern, then I explain to them that there's a reason this happens. It's because not because you're flawed or weak willed or haven't tried the right diet. It's because that approach doesn't work. And we know it doesn't work. Just look at the research. I mean, diets do not create long-term change for people. It's not you that's screwing it up. It's just that what you're doing doesn't work for anybody, most anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, if your listeners are interested in that and learning more about that, my first chapter of my book is, is available for free download from my homepage. So I would encourage you to go check that out. That has the mindful eating cycle that I briefly described about you know, choosing when you eat, what you eat, how you eat, how much, and so on. It's super quick read. It'll give you a foundation to say, this makes sense to me or it doesn't. And I'm moving on. Hmm. So that's where I start every time I'm working with somebody, but let's get to the practical episode. You and I've had this conversation. Now you're ready to try it tomorrow. Here's where I would start. Actually, I would say, don't wait till tomorrow. (laughs) right? Let's start right now. There's, this is not a diet. We're not going to have a big, uh, you know, feast final feast, and then start again tomorrow. The next time you feel like eating, just pause and ask yourself, Hmm, am I actually hungry? Hmm. 
because what that does is it opens the doorway inside, right? It takes you from, oh, that's a good food. Oh, I shouldn't eat that. That's bad. You know, how many calories, how many carbs, how many points, whatever it is you're counting to wait a minute do I even need this food right now? The, the analogy I like to use for this is let's say you were on a road trip and you were driving down the freeway and you saw a gas station. Mm-hmm. Would you just pull off at the next exit and go to the gas station? You'd probably check your fuel gauge first, and then you'd decide whether you want to pull off at the gas station. So pausing to ask, am I hungry is really about checking your own fuel gauge to then make a decision. Now, how do you know you're hungry? Well, it's physical symptoms. These are the symptoms, these instinctive symptoms that you were born with a growling stomach, low blood sugar, you know, feeling hangry, uh, maybe difficulty concentrating your stomach is rumbling all kinds of physical symptoms, not, Ooh, that looks good. Or "Mm, I wonder when I'm going to get to eat again. Maybe I should eat now, you know, that kind of thing. Those are thoughts. So Mm -hmm. we're looking for physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're not hungry, you can still eat. If you make up a rule in your head that says, oh, I can only eat when I'm hungry, then you've just created a diet out of mindful eating. (laughs) And we know how that's going to turn out, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not about controlling yourself, but it's about making a decision after you've gathered the information. Let me pause there. Does that sort of connect with an easy first step? I think so. I think it makes sense in terms of you basically uh, need to take account of what's going on in your internal world. Whereas I would guess, I know it's true for me and I would guess it's true for a lot of other people. That first step doesn't happen very much. There are many, many, many times that it's like, that looks good. I'm going to eat it right now. Yeah, I feel sick. I probably could have figured that out had I thought about it for one second. So yeah, I think that's a very nice, clear first step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious about the second step because when I think of when I'm hungry and if I'm in the grocery store, when I'm really hungry, that's a bad situation. And I don't always get the thing that's nourishing for me. So I'm curious, what's the next step? So in case well, it I'm depends in on what the answer is, right? Like, so if the answer is yes, then the next step is to decide what to eat. So we'll go there in a minute, but I want okay. to address what, what if the answer is no, now we're going to condense okay. something that I teach in an entire book or an entire workshop or an entire weekend retreat <laughs> into this conversation. But I do want you to kind of have this picture to mm-hmm. understand that, yes, there is a process that you can relearn how to, how to interpret your body's signals. Mm -hmm. So you ask, so you feel like eating, you ask, am I hungry? You look for physical symptoms. There are none. You notice what you're thinking about. Maybe it is, oh, I gotta, I should eat now because I might not get a chance later or, Ooh, that looks good. Or um, maybe you notice that you're feeling stressed or bored, or you mentioned, you know, wanting a reward, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So if you're not hungry, what else could be causing this desire to eat? Is it simply situational, the sight of food or other people eating or the time of day, or is it emotional? Um, some, some emotional trigger that you're experiencing and that ranges all the way from joy to you know, sadness, right? It's, it's everything in between. It even could be something physical like thirst or feeling fatigued. 
So Mm -hmm. when you notice that you're not hungry, what you're really doing is giving yourself an opportunity to meet the real need that's triggering that desire. So if you don't ask, am I hungry and you eat and you don't happen to notice that what you really needed was a break from the screen that you've been sitting in front of for four hours straight without moving, um, other than to eat in front of that very screen two hours ago, right? You know, then you say, oh, you know what? I'm not hungry. I just ate two hours ago, sitting in front of the same screen. I'm going to get up and walk around here for a few minutes. Maybe my dog needs to get out of the house and I'll go, you know, take him for a quick walk around the block. Now it's not that I haven't eaten. It's that I actually took care of the real need that I had at that moment. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of mindful eating is it actually allows you when you're hungry to meet that need. And when you're not to figure out what's really driving it. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see how important that is because I think for me, there's, there's stress eating and then there's like boredom eating or just like, I need a break. Really the thing that I probably need is just a break, (laughs) but I'm like, oh, well I'm breaking, let's go eat something (laughs) to just eat something in that Ah. break. And, um, really if I actually tuned into myself more, you know, if I maybe just resting and laying down or walking the dogs would be, you know, that's such a good point, Alice, because oftentimes boredom eating happens when we're the most busy because (laughs) we're busy and we think, Oh, I can't take a break. I got to finish this. And Mm -hmm. so we don't give ourselves permission to get up and move away for five or 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so we justify eating something Mm-hmm. to add that little element of entertainment or pleasure or energy that we're missing. Whereas if we just said, what I really need right now is to stop doing this for five or 10 minutes, get a breath of fresh air, drink a water, or scroll through social media or whatever it is, and then come back to this feeling refreshed. Mm-hmm. That works so much better because when we eat, when we're not hungry, oftentimes we will feel less energetic, less motivated. And it, it, is counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's say you are hungry. So then how do you decide what to eat? Right. So you probably already picked up from the title of my book that I'm not a big fan of good and bad foods. So I really believe in the eat what you love model, which is basically to choose foods that are going to feed you well. And by that, I mean that they bring you not just nourishment, but enjoyment. Now, some foods are going to be mostly nourishing and some foods are mostly going to be enjoyable. (laughs) They don't have to be the same food, Mm -hmm. but overall, our goal is to kind of have this balance. I think you used that phrase already, this, this balance in our eating that, that really leaves us feeling good, but also leaves us feeling satisfied and fulfilled. You know, it, it, when I would say satiety, isn't just having a full stomach, but it's also enjoying what you eat. Mm -hmm. So making a decision about we, I, 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 again, we're going to get a little too deep in this. It's in the book, but these three questions, what do I want? What do I need? And what do I have? What do I feel like eating? So what do I want to eat? What have I been craving? What am I hungry for? Mm -hmm. If nothing immediately comes to mind, then choose the healthiest thing you can think of that would be satisfying, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're really, really, really craving ice cream and you eat celery sticks, 
I'm sorry, that's just not going to work. <laughs> you know, you're going to be in the refrigerator very soon, I think, right? Like pay attention to what you're really, really wanting and at least give yourself permission to consider having that or some version of that. Um, and then the, what do I need is about noticing your own body's needs, whether it's health concerns that you have, whether it's energy, what you're going to be doing later, whether it's foods you've already eaten today or what you're going to eat later. Maybe it's what you've learned about how you feel after you eat certain foods or certain amounts of certain foods. It really comes down to noticing and, and being aware and then making a choice at that point. Okay. So now I'm kind of aware of what I want, what I need now, what do I have? What's going to, what's available to me to fit the bill that, that might be satisfying to me at this moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things that I want to highlight is, uh, I feel like it could, especially on the surface, um, be interpreted as something like, uh, Oh, mindful eating. Like I will just go with my gut or whatever. I feel like eating every second, every time, which for a lot of people, isn't always a balanced set of things. So I just want to highlight that, you know, it's, it's clear that this approach is more than that. It's, it's about really considering all the relevant factors, not just the one part of what is it that I want? Great. I'm going to have that. What is it that I want? Great. I'm going to have that because right. uh, while, while uh, you know, we've, we've talked quite a bit about not being restrictive and I think that's important too. It's also not just about, well, this is, this is what I want to have all the time. And this is, you know, just flying by the seat of your pants on passions. Um, it's more, it's a more holistic picture. Um, and so I just really mm -hmm. wanted to like highlight that because that's been uh, quite clear to me throughout the conversation. Yeah, I, I appreciate that because I, I do think that people misunderstand this. Now, having said that, I will say that there is a period of time. If you've been particularly restrictive or really caught in that eat, repent, repeat cycle, there may be a period of time where you have to st literally stop restricting and stop trying to control everything in order to regain trust in your own instinctive ability to go, okay, I've had enough, right? Like I've literally know now that, that is, having more of this is not giving me more pleasure, it's giving me more consequences. And mm -hmm. so that is a process of letting go of restriction. That can be very scary because you, you talked about it earlier, Alice, if you've been a person who is afraid of losing control and you've only known these extremes, then the idea of giving up that control makes you fear that you're gonna lose control. So if you give it up and then suddenly you want you know, a candy bar and then a second one, that can be scary. The truth is if you have the second one, you will probably notice that it didn't taste nearly as good as the first one and that there, you know, at some point it just stops tasting great and it starts feeling bad. And that's what we're paying attention to with mindful eating. Once you get through that phase of really letting go of restriction, people naturally start becoming curious about how to feed themselves in a way that really takes better care of themselves about how, how they want to feel and how they want their health to be. And if they have a health condition, I have a book about eat what you love, love what you eat with diabetes. If you have a health condition, then you're going to need to pay attention to how the choices you make affect your blood sugar mm -hmm. and not with shame and guilt and restriction, but with literal curiosity and learning. Mm. 
Yeah, I love that. That sounds like a very different approach compared to what most people are used to in this <laughs> restrictive fashion that we're, we're all, that's all a lot of people know. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. We're so used to it that it almost feels normal. When I say these things, it may just sound like, wait a minute, how could that possibly work? Or mm -hmm. you don't know me. I, I won't be able to stop. Mm -hmm. But in truth, I know a lot of people like you and I was like you and I totally get it. I understand and trust the process. It is incredible. People who come to me and they're like, well, you don't get it. I'm addicted to sugar. I'm addicted to carbs or I'm addicted to chocolate. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the process, they're like, yeah, no, I have, I have chocolate in my house all the time. I am not, a, I never was addicted. Now I realize that I just felt addicted because of all the power that I had given food by mm. making it bad. Wow. Powerful stuff. That resonates with my experience too. When I've had unhealthy uh, relationships with certain types of food, it has been in the context of either it being very restrictive and me feeling like, yes, I can finally have as much of whatever it is that I want or uh, an approach that is not what's being said here, which is mindlessly eating things, right? Like that's, I think maybe uh, what comes on the opposite end of, of letting go of those restrictions is just, oh, now then I'm going to mindlessly eat everything, which historically for probably a lot of people is what has happened, right? Like they've either been restricted or they've been mindlessly eating. But I know personally, like I, I did it a little bit different, but there were several foods or um, things that I was consuming more of than I wanted to, that I went cold turkey for a long time to reintroduce them and see how they impacted my life. A little bit different path than what we're talking about here. But that's when, you know, that mindful piece reintroducing it, when I really sat down with the experience of some of these things, it was, it was what you're like, exactly what you're saying. Wow. The first one is pretty good. That fifth one, I don't even taste. It's not so nothing much. is even happening. So, you know, I think that's it. I mean, when I, as I, I was a physician for 16 years, practiced medicine and was out there talking to a lot of people about their own lifestyle choices and that kind of thing. And what I realized is that for those who had figured it out as you have, that there is a similar path and very few people that I know who manage their eating in an, in a balanced way, long-term are weighing and measuring and counting and restricting and thinking about food and all this, they have found a way to get that balance. So really a lot of my work is to, to help people not have to take years, if not decades to learn how to do this, but to really give them a process that works that we've been using for a long, long time with people who've really struggled. For the record, I haven't figured it out. I'm just doing my best. <laughs> well, isn't it interesting that you and I are talking? So the first chapter of that book will help out a lot, I think. So it's just, it'll give you that mindful eating cycle model that will give you a little bit more structure around the decisions that you're already naturally becoming curious about. And I think that that, that little bit of structure without the rigidity of a diet can really help you to kind of figure out, well, how did I know when to eat when I was a kid? How did I know when I'd had enough? Cause, because we've lost that due to all these rules that we've tried to follow all this time. Yeah, definitely. Great. Well, Michelle, it's been such a pleasure having you on our show. Um, definitely everyone go grab her first chapter of her book from her website, amihungry.com. 
Is there anything else you'd like to, to share before we wrap up today, Michelle? Um, boy, you just opened a can of worms, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I do have one more thing that I want to really quickly say, because I think it's a, an important piece yeah. of this, of which is the flip side of all this is that many people have used exercise as punishment for eating hmm. or to earn the right to eat. And hmm. I want to uh, really beg of you to stop equating fitness and exercise with calories and start really thinking about moving your body in a way that feels good. So uh, let's, let's say, do what you love and love what you do and don't use it to earn the right to eat. Yeah. Physical activity is beautiful, beautifully beneficial for all of us. It doesn't matter what your size is or what you're eating. It's really, really, really good for us on all kinds of different levels. So let's stop making it about calories. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for the first chapter of the book, it is at amihungry.com. Just scroll all the way down to the bottom of the first page. You'll find it right there. There's a big cover of the book. It's super easy. And, uh, and I hope that if you get the book, if you get that first chapter and it works for you, reach out to me, let me know what's working for you, what's not, and uh, how I can help. Great. Yes. So you know where to find her, amihungry.com. Go grab that free first chapter and reach out to Michelle if you have any questions or need any additional support. All right, thank you so much for being on our show, Michelle. My pleasure, thanks for having me and thank you for a great conversation. I think you're, you reflected a lot of what people are thinking. So thanks for that. Of course, yes, well, thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Happy Talks with Dr. Allison Donovan. We hope you got something of value to help bring a little more happiness into your life. What lesson or takeaway did you get from today's episode? For more tips and tools, be sure to check out my website at dralicefong.com and you can find me on my social media handles at dralicefong. You can find me at howtohappy.com and follow me on my social media handles at howtohappy. Catch, Catch you next, you next time. time.